Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. That's an old song I love. There rings in my heart a melody. Hallelujah. You know, it's all about the Lord, and I love being with you, and I love ministering the word to you. And I pray the Lord is using his precious word to bless your life and strengthen your life. And that's the reason I'm here. And thank you for being with me today. I pray the Lord today will really bless you mightily in his holy name. We're talking about prayer that moves mountains and the secrets to that power that moves mountains. What does the Bible say? So thank you for joining me. I pray the Lord will really bless you today and meet your needs. And wonderful Jesus, I come today in agreement with your people that their needs today will be met. Touch every heart, Lord. Minister to every life, Lord. Oh, that your presence will be so real in that life. Your peace and your joy will flood their soul. In your precious name, Lord, answer their cry, meet their needs, heal their disease, fill them with joy today. In Jesus' wonderful name, Lord, I pray for everyone watching me right now and listening. In your holy name, amen. Thank God for his wonderful presence. Now, I read your comments and your emails, and I see the needs you talk about. I want to sh show you the, the secret to meeting those needs, removing those mountains. So we began yesterday with Matthew 21, and even though you've seen that, it'll be good to go back and see it again, and maybe you did not join me yesterday. So the Lord says in Matthew 21, 21 and 22, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things, not just some, all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. And remember, in John 14, 14, he said, Whatever you ask in my name. So it's important to understand that prayer in the name of Jesus is the kind of prayer that Matthew 21, 22 talks about. So whether you're facing a mountain today of disease and desperation or family trouble or bondage or financial problems, that mountain can be removed easily if we follow what the Lord has given us. And the only time we fail is when we fail in prayer. And when we pray properly, we cannot fail. So prayer must become a daily part of our life, that our life will become a succession of miracles then, you see? So the Lord gave us the first key, the first secret in Matthew chapter 6, when in verse 5 he said, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the corners of the streets 
that they may be seen of man. Verily I say to you, they have the reward. But when you pray, verse 6, enter into your inner chamber or into your closet and shut the door and pray to your father which sees in secret. And your father which sees in secret will reward you openly. What the Lord was talking about is waiting upon the Lord because praying in a closet or inner chamber means quietness. And in silence, in waiting upon the Lord, he quickens us. And then we begin to understand Ecclesiastes 5.2 that says, let your words be few in God's presence. Because like I said to you yesterday, there are two kinds of people who are quiet. Those who have nothing to say and those who are so full of God's power, they have nothing to say. They cannot say it, I mean. So think about two kinds of people who are quiet. One who is totally empty and has nothing to say. The other is so full of God's beautiful presence and power, he can't even say it, can't even express it because he's so full. So biblical quietness, biblical quietness is the result of abundance, not lack. While in the world, it's the, the result of lack. When people have nothing to say, they are quiet. So when I enter into God's presence like that, and I wait upon him, and I'm in a closet, in an inner chamber, meaning you can't have divine communion and human communion at the same time. It's impossible. God will not respond when we have divine communion and human communion together, when we're talking to God and to people. It's not going to happen. So that's why we have to come into God's presence, and we honor him by doing that. We recognize his presence by doing that. And we are telling him, Lord, you are my delight when we are alone. So being alone says to the Lord, you're worthy of my honor. You're worthy of my love and worship. I delight in you, Lord. That's why I give you this time alone in your presence, because I honor you. So when that happens, and I talked about all this yesterday, we come to the second key that releases power. Because, you know, when the Lord says, if you'll say to this mountain, be thou removed, well, what power moves that mountain? And how to release that power? What's the secret? Well, the secret is first, Matthew 21, all things are possible, and Matthew 6 says, lock into you, go into your, your closet. That's how you begin. Two, in that place is worship, because worship is triggered by quietness. And Jesus said in John 4, the Father seeks those who worship in spirit. God is spirit, and he's seeking those who worship in spirit and in truth. So you cannot worship biblically if you don't worship spiritually. So worship is not noise. Worship is born by the Holy Spirit in the spirit of man. And worship is what? It's the result of revelation. The, the result of God revealing who he is. We, we thank him, the Bible says in Psalm 100, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We thank him for what? His goodness. The Lord is good, so we thank him. We praise him for his greatness. But we worship him for who he is. And he's holy. Holiness is a revelation. You can't know the holiness of God without revelation. 
And that all happens in quietness, in stillness. When we wait upon the Lord, God begins to reveal to us his holiness. And he begins to fill us with his presence. And now worship is the result. So in Psalm 100, enter into his gates with things. Everything goes with praise. But the Bible says when we enter into that place, now we can go a little, you know, a little deeper. Worship. All right. I want to say one quickie about worship. Worship is so powerful because worship is ministering to the Lord, not for the Lord. Ministering to the Lord is worship. And I shared with you 1 Samuel 3, how Samuel worshipped God at the age of eight and changed the nation as a result. Or you think about what was Paul the Apostle doing when, when, when God called him? He was worshiping the Lord. Acts 13, as they ministered unto the Lord, the Lord said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them. So we are priests unto our God, it says in Peter, First Peter. Well, a priest is ministering to the Lord, not for the Lord. Because the whole tribe of Levi minister unto the Lord. Deuteronomy 10 says they, that God separated the tribe to minister unto him. And think about it, that ministering to the Lord, that tribe ministering to the Lord, kept judgment away from the nation. The cloud by day did not leave, the fire by night did not leave, even though they rebelled. But that one tribe was continually worshiping the Lord ministering to the Lord, as a result, the Lord stayed among his people. And worship is so powerful, it keeps God among us, in our midst. That's how it's so, imp it's so important. And also, Daniel 7 and Revelation 5 talks about how worship releases judgment on the wicked. Because when they worshiped God in heaven, God destroyed Antichrist. When they worshiped God in heaven, in Revelation 5, he destroyed and judge the wicked. So worship is so key. That's why the Lord said, God seeks those who worship in spirit and truth. And truth means Bible, according to scripture. All right. Now, let me go with the, with the third key, which is so important. And the third key basically is 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So <clears throat> the, the will of God is revealed through the scripture as we are in his presence. When the word becomes reality, when the word becomes rhema in his presence. And the prayer we pray that is born of the spirit is already approved for answers. The prayer we pray that the Holy Spirit prays. You see what, what happens is when we are quiet, when we are waiting, like the Lord said in Matthew 6, a prayer is born. Our true prayer is born in waiting. That's why David said, wait, I say again, wait. And you remember in, in Isaiah 40, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And now the wind begins to carry you. You don't have to fly. We just surrender to the wind. 
And in that place, God reveals his will, his word. And we pray according to what the Holy Spirit already has given us. And God has already guaranteed the answer. So it says in 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he'll hear us. Well, that will is already approved that the answer will come. And the Bible gives it, gives that will to us. But we have to wait on the Holy Spirit. We cannot take a, a verse out of the Bible and say, well, this is his will. And people think you can twist God's arm to fulfill his promise. No, because see, it's, it's still the letter. It's still logos. That must become life to us in the spirit. Must become rhema to us. Though that precious word becomes life. And remember, the, Paul said the letter kills, but the spirit in that letter gives life. Gives life. And Jesus said, what I say is spirit and life. So we have to wait upon the Lord till his blessed promise becomes life to us. And that happens always in waiting upon the Lord. So David said in Psalm 80, verse 18, quicken me and then I'll call in your name. In other words, I'm going to wait, Lord, till you make that promise alive in me. And then I'll call upon the Lord. Then I will bring that promise to you that you've quickened in my heart. That's why it is very, very damaging to take a verse out and say, Lord, you said, and now you declare it done, and nothing happens. And people's faith is weakened as a result. Because God speaks into the wind of the Spirit. God speaks into the moving of the Spirit. Remember in Genesis 1.1, it says the Spirit moved, and then God spoke. The Spirit moved and then God spoke. All right, now, you can hear my voice. Why? Because my breath is behind it. If my breath was not carrying my voice, you, you would have to read my lips. God never said, read my lips. He said, hear my voice. How? The breath carries the voice. And so the Holy Spirit carries the word. So you can't confess the word without the breath of God behind it. God speaks into the wind. Hallelujah. Just like the breath, the wind. We speak in the wind that our lungs produce the breath, the oxygen. And now when we speak, it carries it. You, you, you could not hear my voice without my breath. Nor can we hear the voice of God and his word without the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So we know his will, and God has a perfect will, but his will is progressive because we go from good to acceptable to perfect. That's in Romans 12. And that means progressive, and that means motion. That, that means progress. You'll never know God's will till you're walking with him, till you're living for him. So it says, be not conformed to this world, Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will. So it's progressive. It's a process. It's a walk. It's a life. 
It's a fellowship. You can't know God's will standing still. You only know it as you are moving with him, walking with him, progressing, growing in the faith. Then you know his will. And all that connects to the foundation of Matthew 6. Wait upon the Lord. Enter into your, your closet. Wait upon his precious voice to speak to you. Wait that he quickens you. And as he quickens you, then you pray in the spirit you worship. And then by the spirit, you also give God his promise. Lord, you said in your word. Because that word now has, has become life to you. Not just some verse that you picked out from the Bible. And that is so important to understand that the will of God is, is revealed progressively. Progressively. All right. Number four. Number four is daily contact. And daily contact is so important in uh, Luke 11, 3, give us day by day our daily bread. Luke 11, 3. Give us our daily bread. Well, that means we have to come to God daily, and we come to God daily because of the momentum we build in our relationship with him. So when I'm quiet, and now my prayer is quickened, my worship is, my worship is quickened, and I'm able to know God's voice and God's will for my life, and I pray it. And now I do it every day so I don't lose with God. Because the day I miss is the day I lose. The day I miss is the day rust builds up, oppositions from the enemy, strongholds set in. So we keep all that stronghold out. We make no space for Satan. Give no place to the devil, it says, by daily communion with God. And daily communion is so important because when, when you and I have daily contact with, with God, we, we actually build substance for the future. In other words, our prayer now is stored up in heaven to be used when we need it at the right time. Our prayer is stored up in, in heaven, so the answer comes when we need it. See now, when, when people pray because they have a problem, they pray because of some emergency, they're not praying daily, storing up substance. They're, they're coming saying, oh God, help me, get me out of this. Instead, if we come to God daily, we store up substance. Um, Revelation 8, let me, let me show it to you. Because it talks about the prayers of the saints, you know, in, Re in Revelation 8, that were stored up in glory. It says, another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer that was given to him much incense that he should offer it, what? With the prayer of all saints. And the prayer of all saints ascended like incense before God. So when a man's spiritual life begins to fall apart, it's because that man or woman has failed in daily contact. When we fail in daily contact, everything starts to fall apart. So we cannot uh, see victory unless we have daily contact. So much prayer, much substance. And now that, su that substance is 
stored up in heaven on our behalf to, to be released when we need it at the right time. Uh, Daniel chapter 6, let's look at that quickly. Because Daniel, Daniel understood the key to keeping troubles away or having the answer before the problem ever shows up. So Daniel 6.10 says what? It says, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, his windows being open in its chamber toward Jerusalem. He knelt, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and give thanks before his God as did as he did before. So it was daily that he would go to God and pray three times a day. A lot of people only pray like what? You know, once or twice a week. That's why they have such trouble. But if we pray three times a day daily, and a lot of us don't, but I'm telling you there's power in this. It doesn't take long. You don't have to spend much time with God. You know, I pray in one, one hour and, and a half every afternoon, but I also pray in the morning. I pray at night. I believe that staying in contact with God daily, recognizing his presence in the morning, recognizing his presence at night, and in the afternoon, I just sit and read the word and talk to God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We see from the word something very, very, very powerful. Daniel learned the necessity of daily prayer, daily contact. He made prayer his, his daily business. So he did not have to run to God when some problem or emergency or crisis arose. His daily communion delivered him before the problem ever arose. And when the problem arose, God took care of it before he could, before even Daniel could even think about it. Think about being in a lion's den or thrown in some place like Shadrach, Mishan, and Abednego, you know, in some oven. They were people of prayer. The saints of old, David, the prophets. And David himself said he prays three times a day. I pray the Lord will put that desire in all of us, every one of us, including me, because I'm flesh just like you are. Sometimes I'm preaching to myself, to be honest with you. It says, evening, verse 17, Psalm 55, and the best preaching is when you preach to yourself, believe me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud. And he shall hear my voice. I heard Catherine Kuhlman talk about that one day when she said she preached to herself more than she preached to people. Because, you know, we all have such great desires in, in our hearts, and now it becomes a part of our, of, of our language, of what we talk about. And we cry after God and his presence. And we know this is the only way to be at peace with God and ourselves. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Five years ago, I made a decision to stop watching TV. Changed my life to spend more time with God. Changed my life. I'm not the same Benny Hinn I was five years ago. Today, the, the, the peace, the tranquility, the joy I found in my heart, I don't want to lose it. No, never will I lose it. Because this will guarantee that I will finish well. Having a big ministry 
doesn't guarantee you're going to finish well. Staying in the presence of Jesus, that's the guarantee. And in these days, with all the trouble out, you know, out in this world, the only place of safety is God's presence. He that dwelleth, not visits, he that dwelleth in the secret place, that man will be blessed. No plague will come near your dwelling. Nothing can touch you. Nothing. Because you're in safety. Hallelujah. I will say of the Lord, he's my protection. This is where I dwell in protection. My shield, my buckler. Hallelujah. So David said, evening, morning, and noon, I'll pray and cry aloud, and you'll hear my voice. You know, I thought I could do I could finish this teaching in two days. It looks like I have a lot more information. I'm going to have to wait till tomorrow, saints, and finish the teaching tomorrow. I have, what, three, oh my goodness, four pages to go. I can't do it all in one day. Because the next thing I want to talk about is the blood of Jesus. Because I haven't had a chance to even discuss that today. There are seven secrets to prayer that moves mountains. Lord, I give you praise. Well, let me at least start with this beautiful portion. Okay. So, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And all of this begins with waiting upon the Lord because waiting upon, you know, upon the Lord quickens us to call and quickens us to enter into his presence. Wait, I say, wait upon the Lord. So, it says in Hebrews 10, 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh and Hebrews 4 and I'm going to talk more about this tomorrow so please join me Hebrews 4 and verse 16 because I'm going to give you seven keys to this and they're all simple really because God works that in us let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So in approaching God's, God's throne, it must be done in the spirit because that's what, what, what gives us assurance. So when, when you talk about, you know, when we read, like let's go back to Hebrews 10, because, you know, sometimes we say, well, where, where am I getting that boldness to enter. Well, let's look at that verse 19 one more time. Having therefore brethren boldness. Who gives us boldness? It says they were filled with the Holy Ghost and boldness. So only the presence of God gives us boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now listen, I'm gonna stop and go on tomorrow because there's so much and deep things I want to share with you. I don't want to rush. I want to, I want to give it to you spoon by spoon, not plate by plate. Because if I give it to you plate by plate, you won't be able to handle it. So Father, I thank you for your word. Oh, I thank you, Jesus, for your word. Would you stretch your hands towards me? I'm stretching my hands towards you. I am sensing the anointing of God here. Lord, meet every need. Bring them to that place, Lord, of quiet rest in your presence. Where your power will flood their being. Your presence will penetrate their heart. 
you'll walk with your Lord in beauty and victory. Now, dearest Jesus, meet that need, and I rebuke sickness, and I rebuke disease. I give you praise. You know, I didn't plan on this, but I just see someone with swelling around the right eye, a lot of swelling around the right eye. You, you're sensing God's anointing, and the swelling is going down. Oh, Jesus, I wait. I wait. Someone has been having serious pain in your lower back. I think you fell a few days ago. You fell, and there's like a lump. Uh, the, the, there's a growth also on the lower back. Dear Jesus, heal that one. Heal your people. Lord, let that sickness be gone. In Jesus' holy name, I give you praise. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Receive in Jesus' name. And Lord, meet that financial need today. Answer that cry, Lord. Give them that peace. The need will be met financially in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. It's time to give. It's time to sow seed. It's time to say thank you, Lord, for your love. You can sow your seed now on the platform you're watching me on. You can go to BennyHinn.org or you can simply text BHM45777. But secure your future financially by giving today. As you bless God's work financially, He'll bless your life financially. There'll be no lack, no need in your life. God will meet every need in His holy name. Okay, much love to you. Don't miss tomorrow because I want to continue teaching on power that moves mountains.